Hey everybody and welcome back to Naughty Dog Ranked. I am your host, Nick. Here with me today is nobody. Nobody's here. I'm all alone. Kevin uh, had some work stuff that he had to deal with, so he wasn't able to find the time for us. <laughs> but you know, that's okay. He's gonna be back just in time for Jack 2. Today we're doing Jack and Daxter, the precursor legacy, uh, before we move on to Jack 3. Then um, CTR and Jack X, we're kind of doing those together uh, to save on some time. The Uncharted Anthology, ending with The Last of Us, and hopefully with the delay con that's been going on lately. Hopefully, Last of Us will still come out on the day it's supposed to because that'll be the day that the Last of Us episode comes out, giving us two weeks to play The Last of Us Part 2 and go there. So, everybody cross your fingers because the way things have been going lately, I'm very worried about whether or not, you know, we're going to have... We're going to have Last of Us 2 when we're supposed to. This whole thing has been on us basically having two weeks to play everything so that we can end it, boom, right on that day. So we'll see. We'll see. Obviously, we'll update you as things go on. Um, so far, so good. There hasn't been any announcements from Naughty Dog. Um, so yeah, 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 yeah. Cross your fingers. Um, so make sure you go to our Twitter at TX3 Productions or ThreadX3 Productions at gmail.com. Or you can go to our Instagram at ThreadX3 Productions. Um, you could be listening to this audio on Nerd Radio or Threat X3 Cast. If you like everything that that uh, Threat X3 Productions does, and you just want to hear the audio versions, all the audio versions of our videos, podcasts, and everything is going on to Threat X3 Cast. So check that out. So let's get right into it with the uh, the basic info. Usually we like to kind of look at the Wikipedia and go over kind of just the basics when it came out, you know, who it was developed by and everything. So Jack and Daxter, the precursor legacy was released in 2001. It was an open world platform video game developed by Naughty Dog and published by Sony Computer Entertainment. Uh, for the PlayStation 2, it was released on December 3rd, 2001, um, and it was released as the first in a series. The game follows protagonist Jack as he tries to help his friend Daxter after Daxter is transformed into a ot ot otzel. Okay. A fictional hybrid of an otter and a weasel. Okay. <laughs> um, with the help of Samus the Sage, the pair learn that they ha must save the world from Gaul and Maya. Are um, what the heck? Achirian? Achirian something, I don't know. Uh, who plan to flood the world with dark eco, a mysterious substance. And So it was developed in January 1999. Critically acclaimed upon release, most critics praised the game's variety. Uh, many critics agree that the game had some best-looking graphics of the time, and I would 100% have to agree with that. So those are the basics. Let's uh, go on. Uh, usually this is when we talk about like my memories of the first time I played it. So my first time playing this, I think I want to say it was right around when it was actually released. You know, Crash Bandicoot was weird because it's like I played the second one before the first one and then the first one and then obviously the third one. Uh, this one I actually remember playing right around the same time it was released. I think this was right along the same time I actually really started getting into video games. Like I was into them for sure for the PlayStation 1 
uh, generation. But PlayStation 2 was when I really started getting into video games as far as like I wanted them as soon as they were out. Whereas PlayStation 1, I felt like if it came out and then I saw it, I'm like, oh, hey, this exists now. Like, you know, um... And so uh, I remember just really liking this game as a kid. Um, you know, I think I mentioned it on episode one, I want to say. The coolest thing about Naughty Dog is that when I was a real young kid was when I played the uh, Crash Trilogy. And so that was like kind of me just growing up and so was Naughty Dog. And so here we have, this is a little bit more of a mature game and I was a little bit more mature when it came out. Um, so let's see, it w- would have been 01 when it came out. I was born in 88. So in 2000, I would have been 12. So that means I was 13. So I was teenager um when this came out and so yeah it felt like the naughty dog that i grew up with essentially in the 90s was now growing up as well because now instead of being this 3d platformer that basically was just a glorified 2d because you were only moving in two planes even though there was 3d spaces i mean you know this one was 100% a 3D world. And I remember like the first time playing this, I was just so enamored with it. I think by the time this came out, I did play, let me double check. So by the time this came out, I had at least tried uh, Mario 64, I think like at a friend's house or something like that. And that was very much, you know, a 3D platformer, just the same. Um, But it still kind of had that level structure where you went into a level and then you ran around, you know, and it was, open to a certain degree but it was kind of just like it was open segment of a game you know so starting this up and realizing that you know this village was attached to this beach that was attached to a jungle that i could ride over and go into misty island i remember like the first time like really realizing like oh this is like a giant open world like this is awesome i remember just my little brain just going nuts over like okay this is an open world i can go and do whatever the heck i want it was it was so cool like i just remember and even as a kid even though i wasn't super into like graphics and and loading times and things like that i just remember one this looks like a cartoon so yes please that's awesome it kind of reminded me of my childhood even though i was only you know 13 but at the same time i was also realizing that there are no loads screens there's it doesn't have to load it doesn't have to think and i remember thinking to myself it's like you know there's always at least a little bit of loading in crash bandicoot so it's like that was just one thing i could go from one area to the next and it was seamless at least in my eyes you know as a developer they use so many tricks to hide the loading like for instance a really good obvious one would be when you get onto the boat and go to the you know one of the first areas which is a misty misty island um on Misty Island, you take the boat over and there's a part of it where all you're looking at is you kind of do a bird's eye view of you in the water. So like, that's like, that's one of the tricks they use to kind of hide the loading screen because obviously it's like way off in the distance. It looks at you and it kind of gives it time to load in the background but as a kid or as a 13 year old i didn't really i didn't really know the behind the scenes thing i just thought to myself like wow that's a real place that i'm going over to and it's you know it exists there and i just remember loving that so then how was it replaying it replaying it um you know one thing that we may maybe harked on maybe a little too much in our 
trilogy or crash trilogy coverage is that when we were replaying it we were replaying it in the insane trilogy and so we harped on maybe a little bit too much i will admit that you know the hitboxes were bad and the jumping was a little off and things like that um and i just remember like i don't remember having as that much fun with it because of the little problems the little hiccups or anything like that other than that like i did at one time, I still had a PlayStation 1 copy of it. I had to hook up my old PlayStation 3 and, and get that hooked up. And so I was at least able to kind of try out that that way. And I have to say that between Crash and Jack, I feel like Jack Jack and Daxter trilogy, or, or I mean, I guess we're only on number one so far. But so far, it has aged way better. I mean, not only just graphically, because if like if you go back to the original PlayStation uh, version of it, you know, everything's very uh, has so many edges. You could cut, you know, cheese with just all the edges of everything. Um, whereas this, you know, still kind of rough around the edges because I w- I'm playing on the PlayStation 4. And so it's still kind of, you know, maybe has some upscaling problems and everything. But overall, it still looks really good. It still plays really good. I don't feel like I'm missing jumps just for the heck of it. But yeah, that, I would say that's my main takeaway is that replaying this, it just, it translates so much better into modern um, games, you know, because even now modern games are kind of going back to like the 3D platformer. Really good example is uh, A Hat in Time. I love that game. Such a good game. Um, and then I think like Ukulele came out a year or so ago um but you know the the my point is that games are kind of heading back to the 3d platformer so going back in time to play this other than if it would have better graphics you could fool me into thinking that this is a modern game because of the way it controls because of like the story and everything um the only thing i'd have to say is probably the most annoying thing about it that you know, definitely is a, um, a product of its time is the camera movements. Um, back in the day, like I, when you're rotating the camera, left went to the right and right went to the left. So I immediately had to uh, invert that so that it felt more like I was moving my camera around like it was a third person camera uh even then so many times because of the way it would rotate it still just threw me off and then it's even worse if you have to there's certain segments i think it's only once in the game where you have to uh there's a shooting gallery sort of so to speak where you're shooting these um insects off of a pillar and so then you have to look up and down and this is back in the day where i guess inverted was a thing because it it was kind of default so then i had to fix that and even then like i think just the translation from back in the day to now it felt so off and it was kind of hard to get past but at the same time other than the very small you know use of the camera when i did have to really move it in a very specific way because obviously i i definitely made it work but other than that i still say like the jumping the enemies um just the overall gameplay in general putting the camera aside translates very well to modern day and i mean so much so that like this is you know leaps and bounds better than uh crash bandicoot i think to a certain extent 
for sure, because, um, you know, there is still charm in the side-scrolling and everything, so I still like that. But as far as, like, translating to modern day, yeah, I just, I feel like it it translated a lot better. So, replaying it nowadays, I still, I still have that nostalgia, I still, but I mean, Crash Bandicoot for the most part, and I mean, I do believe it was the remake's fault. Playing through it again was very much nostalgia was the only thing pulling me through whereas this time nostalgia was a big factor for sure but then i was also just having fun with it and so i I really really enjoyed that so then we can talk about the story the story um I mean, really, it just makes everything so much bigger. Because now it's not just a story about bad guy, good guy, go through levels, defeat bosses, you know, and, and oh, so on and so forth. Now it's it's this world, you know, and Crash Bandicoot never felt like a world. Maybe in the very first Crash Bandicoot, because you literally saw this like um, sort of overworld map. And so it felt like a world then. But then from two on, they went with a more level-based system where it's like here's five levels then go up to the next level five levels next level so on so forth and so that really just felt like here's here's your here's your level here's your next level so on so forth this one felt like a world and it really it does that not just through the way the levels are designed but the story in general it felt like they were crafting a story and so um you know we we started talking about it in Crash 2 and Crash 3 to see their origin and how, you know, Crash 2 very well could have just been bad guy bad, but instead they started they started the seeds of storytelling and narrative. And so now we get to see them in a way that I we have not seen them yet, you know, and I that's something I, I just really enjoy. Um, so it starts off with Jack and Daxter. They go to the Forbidden Island, the Misty Island, and um, they see, you know, some weird stuff going on there. Um, you know, somebody's like planning something bad. Uh, Daxter gets transformed into a whatever that thing was called. Um, and then the story basically starts off with the immediate um, objective of basically changing Dexter Daxter back. And uh, there's hints of a bigger story, like the brother and sister planning something. You don't really know who they are, or you don't really know their names or anything, but just like, okay, something weird's going on here, and then boom, you're just thrown into a vat and changed into some, or Daxter is rather. Um, then there's little hints like, ooh, this precursor artifact got activated for some reason when Jack touched it, but not when Daxter touched it. Um, then the sages not having their teleporter on, and the lurkers are doing something. So there's little hints of it but there's so little that like there isn't really a story yet the immediate c is fixing daxter this is a really interesting decision in my opinion because it really feeds into that open world aspect uh, so much so that like depending on how long it takes you it could take you up to one or two hours to really get to the first inciting incident which in my opinion is when you finally get to the blue sage's hut and then you realize oh no there's something wrong the blue sage has been captured you know some something's going on you know so it takes a good one to two hours to actually get into the crux of the story but because of how it's it's weaving the story you're still interested because you still have that immediacy of hey we need to get daxter better but then once you start getting into it you're used to the mechanics you're used to the characters then it throws this another 
this other story element on you and it just it's so cool uh once you get to the blue sage the same kind of vague story beats are told throughout the environments and the lurkers and what are they up to but you still don't really get that much until you get to the fire sage so this is the third area and then you find out that the brother and sister are the ones that are supposed to help you and they're also the ones that are doing all this evil stuff and So the story overall, I think, is told in such an interesting way because it kind of drip feeds information. And as a kid, it was super easy for me to just go, okay, here's the power cell paywall, essentially, that I need to get to to get to the next area. And it was really easy for me to not notice the story too much just because of how much fun I was having. Um, But as an adult revisiting it, I can really appreciate the manner in which that they had to tell their story. Um, Uh, It's done in such a way because there are many instances where you can take on each area in whatever order you choose. So the story that is there needs to accommodate that. So basically this means that instead of bombarding you with exposition all the time, they have to, they they had to do it in really interesting ways through the environment itself, through the objectives that you have to complete in the environment to make it better. And it was done in this way because... Like you could you could decide to you could go decide to go to the beach first and then to the jungle to unlock the Misty Island boat mm-hmm. and then go to Misty Island. Or you can decide to go to the jungle first, then Misty Island, then the beach. Or you could even do the jungle just to unlock the boat, go to the Misty Island, back to the jungle, and then by then you could have enough power cells where you could skip the beach altogether. Which is another thing. Each paywall, so to speak, is made in such a way where you do you don't have to collect everything before moving on and this was definitely different from what i was used to because obviously with the crystals for instance you had to gather a crystal before you can move on to the next area i remember the first time i heard the power cells you have to have this many power cells i'm like oh here we go again you know this might as well be crystals um but then i was so surprised to realize that through this and that i realized oh wait i already have enough but i could keep going if i wanted to this was the first time for me at least like it felt like oh no this is an open world because other than the fact that it's obviously designed to be explored They still feel like levels, so to speak. Only when I realized that they put more power cells in that you actually needed, that's when it clicked for me that it was really open to create my own adventure. Um, you know, like the the one lady, wham, wham, my, this bird needs help. Well, I don't really need to help you. Um, hey, my yaks are outside their fence. Well, do it yourself. <laughs> this is the first time I felt like, oh no, this is open to my interpretation. I can do this the way I want to. Of course, eventually they... Re- reveal that no i want you to get all of them in order to get the quote-unquote true ending but the true ending isn't needed because the story is wrapped up in a way where it is extra i could go back to all the places that i wasn't able to get all of the the uh power cells to and i was able to get the quote-unquote true ending but it was still it still felt complete to me i didn't need to and it was nice just to have the option to which i felt like was more motivation to do it rather than oh i have to do this in order to complete everything it was just it was really nice and especially especially since in crash bandicoot it, it was very, I mean, they had the gems and the gems you could go back for, but I guess I never really 
felt like I needed to, I don't know, it's it's different, certainly different. Um, so then each area was really interesting. First we had the village with the beach, jungle, misty island. I think the misty island was my favorite because it was all, there was this segment where you could get on a hover bike and kind of go around there and there was a couple objectives there by itself. Uh, you go onto the Blue Sage, um, which had an under- underwater temple, which I thought was really cool, the swamps, and then a whole area with the hover bike. And that whole area had like a race that you could do. It had um, plants that needed to be uncorrupted or yeah, need, they need to be purified or whatever. There was a couple of like little, like not really time trials, but like you went through a ring and then you had to go to the next ring. And so there were two of those and one was the easy one, one was a harder one. And the, But it was this whole area of just driving around, which was so cool. Because definitely it was cool like going from the village to the Blue Sage and having to go along the lava. But having a whole area where I could just explore on the hover bike was so so interesting because then it turned it into this new game to me almost you know kind of like how in Crash Bandicoot 3 all of a sudden it wasn't just a platformer it was a platformer that you could also go around on a jet ski on an airplane and so there was like seeds of kind of Crash Bandicoot 3 in the sense of like oh okay there's not just this and then in the swamps area there's also a bird and you save the bird and you can help have the bird helps you out and that was cool I'm like okay okay oh oh you know that 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 reminds me actually because the bird is the one that you saved on the beach so if you didn't have the bird or if you didn't save the bird on the beach you wouldn't even have access to it in the swamps which means you would miss a whoa okay mind blown i totally forgot about that i'm so used to doing everything (laughs) that i totally forgot like if you didn't like if you somehow didn't do that anyways sorry Moving on. Red Sage was in the next area. You had the caves and the mountaintop. Uh, this was kind of the first time where it broke its rhythm, so to speak. Because like each area had like three different areas. And then the rage, the Red Sage's area, it just had two areas two areas to go to rather than three and i'm like okay that's kind of cool so it's not beholden to a certain formula it's making its own story which was really cool um then you get to the big precursor like golem looking thing and you have to release all the sages which kind of brings us to the the boss battles this was interesting because aside from the one with the claw and it's like throwing rocks at you and the end boss you know those are the only ones that are required in order to go through the go through the um, whole game there's a whole nother one where it's a plant and you you kill it and everything that's technically optional like you could miss it altogether if you don't if you don't know how to get inside the temple um this was extremely interesting because because I think my mind was kind of trained in a way that, you know, and not, um, I was trained that every five levels I was going to have a boss. And so to have this story where instead of it being, you know, forced to give me a, a boss, so many milestones, I had to have a boss, you know, because I mean, that wasn't even a Crash Bandicoot thing, you know, that was a Mario thing, that was a Contra thing, you know, pretty much any any game you had levels and at the end of every level you had a boss or at the end of so many levels you had a boss this is the first time where it's like these bosses 
felt like they were a part of the world because I didn't have to fight them. There were certain ones, obviously, once again, that I had to, but it was such an interesting way of doing bosses, and it was definitely one thing that I felt stuck out even even as a kid. Like, oh, this is really interesting. Like, they're a part of the world, which just goes back to what I was saying before, which is it just makes it feel like an entire world. This is a world that I get to experience alongside everything. And yeah, I mean, if you can't tell, I really like this game. I really love this game. Um, so let's get to ranking. It's ranking time. So far, we did the Crash Bandicoot trilogy. For me, I felt like it was super easy to rank. Number one is three, and then it goes three, two, one. Because for me, three was the best. You know, it it took everything it learned from the previous two, and instead of it just being a platformer, it also was a platformer. It was an action game, I think is how I put it. And two was better because it was because there was story to it. So it took a lot of the same stuff from one, but it's like, here's an actual story. Here's actual characters. And then one is at the bottom just because it was the first one and there wasn't a lot going on. So where does this rank? I I think this shoots straight up to the top because now we have the characters, we have the voice actors, but, you know, making it so that they didn't have to limit themselves to a level structure I thought was such an interesting way of not only just designing a game, but then telling a story, which once again is kind of like I feel like more and more as we're going on the Naughty Dog repertoire that is really what they're about they're about the narrative story they're about the characters themselves, and this one just turned everything up to a 15 and so I mean this shoots up to the top for me just because I just love everything about it and even replaying it and I feel like that's the that's the key that's the number one reason for me why it shoots up to the top is because even replaying it nowadays I can still have fun with it um there's a few things that stick out as oh that's just because it was the 2000s versus like Crash pretty much the entire way it was designed, the entire way that the levels were set up and everything felt 90s to me. Felt completely 90s. So other than very, very, the camera is essentially the only thing in Jack and Dexter that makes me think, oh, this was made a couple, well, you know, 10 plus years ago. You know, you could definitely fool me into thinking this is a modern game if it wasn't for the camera. And I feel like that's one of the main reasons that it shoots up to the top shoots up to the mega top it'll definitely be interesting i think you know i we say this every time i do apologize um but it'll definitely be interesting i have not played jack 2 in a really long time so i know we're going to be adding vehicles and guns and it's going to be a lot more like baby's first grand theft auto so i'm really interested is it going to be better are we going to continue the trend of the next game just being put at the top of the list or is this going to be the first one that goes below Jack and Dexter. I can't wait because it's been long enough of me replaying it. Um, That is part of what's fun about this whole series is being able to replay it. It's fresh in my mind and so I can make a decision off of that rather than just my nostalgia and my feelers. So I'm really interested to play through that. Um, If you guys are playing along with us, that'd be awesome. You can message us at TX3 Productions on Twitter or ThreatX3 Productions at gmail.com. Message us as well. Let us know where you guys are on your replay. 
what your guys' rankings are. We would love to hear from you guys. So, I mean, this is a lot shorter and it's mainly because it's a one-way conversation versus having Kevin to kind of bounce ideas off of and philosophize and things like that. So it's a lot shorter, but we definitely wanted to get that out for it. I will make sure to, uh, when he comes back for Jack too, I will get his input on Jack and Daxter. So we'll at least get maybe an update as to where he thinks the ranking should be and hit just a quick synopsis of what he thought about Jack and Daxter before we move on. So you won't be completely left in the dirt when it comes to his opinion on things. Um, so other than that, um, this was Naughty Dog ranked. Next week is, or next 